I had learned that my queen spoke here when she particularly wished her lies to be believed, or when she wished those who spoke with her to believe that their own lies were indistinguishable from truth. Therefore she stood so that the sun's light dazzled other faces than hers. As for the baron himself, Claire Estebate, I was uncertain of his penetration. Foppish in attire and coarse in manner, with a thick snarl of beard that concealed his mouth entirely, thereby distracting attention from the hard glint of his eyes, he called to mind a wild boar playing the part of a sycophant. Unsure of him, I suspected that he courted others only as a means of courting himself. Rumor said of him that his lusts were dark, and that they were painful to endure. Making a leg, he presented himself. In a growl, which may have been a failed simper, he proclaimed, Your Majesty, I have come at your command. Three nights and six horses I have spent on the road. Such was my haste to obey your summons. Without pausing for her reply, he continued, Your herald's words were explicit. Your hopes await you. His growl became overt. But I rode past the harbor. No ship of mine sits at anchor. No vessel of any baron sits at anchor, only the boats and coracles of fishermen. With apparent effort, he remembered courtesy. Your Majesty. Resplendent as ever, Animica Phlegathon de Vry faced the baron. As I had often observed, at some cost, I might add, in sweated sheets and twisted dreams, she was a magnificent woman. Ripe of breast and slim of waist, she dressed to accentuate some few of her many advantages, displaying an expansive bosom and her regal carriage. Silks thin as gauze draped her form as though at any moment they might waft away. Held by a string of fine pearls, a ruby worthy of Indemne's queen rested in the delicate hollow of her throat. As for her features, well, her skin was flawless, her mouth and nose as delicate as works of art her lips a moist pink, her brow apparently incapable of displeasure or doubt. The light of the sun crowned her auburn hair, and the brown luster of her eyes promised that they would warm to any desired word or touch. All in all, she was so finely wrought that even a careful study of her person might fail to discern she was not in her best youth, or that she had been some fifteen years a mother. My lord baron, she replied in a voice like liquid music, as self-harmonized as a madrigal. My herald's words were indeed explicit. They were also honest, yet I confess a woman's wish to provoke you. My summons did not refer to the vessels which you have kindly commissioned to search the seas surrounding our friendless isle. Rather, it concerns your other ambitions." A variety of emotions confused Glare Estebate's visage. References to his ships inspired one response. Comments concerning a woman's wish and ambitions surely evoked another. To which should he give prompt response? For a moment he forgot himself to knot both fists in his beard and tug on opposing directions— on one side, the three ships which he had contributed to my queen's questing had been a considerable drain on his treasury. On the other, 
anything that Animica Phlegathon de Vry said of his ambitions might be equally expensive. She was known, after all, for her whims, and for her happy willingness to inflict their price upon her barons. I could have counseled him to put his ships from his mind. By my arts I knew them utterly lost. As indeed did my queen. Also history was against him. Full of pride, his vessels had sailed from Endemi's harbor on varied eastward headings. From the direction of the sun's rising, no ship ever returned. However, it was not my place to speak in such an audience. I remained hidden and watchful. With an effort, the baron mastered his hands. Squinting fiercely, he retorted, Your Majesty, you confuse me. My ships are my ambitions. Only their success will...